You are listening to The Stimulus Podcast. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the show where we break down ideas, strategies, habits, tactics, mindsets, and insights to help you live and work with intent. My name is Rob Orman. I am an emergency physician, physician coach, and host of this show. This is our last episode of 2023, and depending on when you listen to it, this could be your sign off for the year, or this could be something new for 2024. Either way, it is great to have you. What we're going to talk about today is resistance. It is such a wily rascal. It's just like the gift that keeps on giving, but in the worst possible way. More on that in a moment. Before we jump into the show, your job is hard. You got to know a lot of stuff. You got to be able to figure out a lot of things in a short period of time. And the job is also hard on you. And there's an entire aspect of training that doesn't address this. Things like navigating difficult conversations, creating the mindset you want, staying cool under pressure, regulating your nervous system, effectively dealing with stress. And for that matter, dealing with that inner perfectionist that can seem like such a pain in the butt. And that is just the tip of the iceberg of what we are covering at Awake and Aware in person, Bend, Oregon, May 1st through 3rd this year, 2024. Awake and Aware is a CME event because that is an important thing to know. So join me, Ryan Cheney, Scott Weingart, and a cadre of physician coaches in person, Bend, Oregon, May 1st through 3rd. There's a link to the Awake and Aware website where you can take a look at the curriculum, who all the speakers are, all the good stuff in the show notes for this pod. And I'll finish with this. There is a better way. It doesn't have to be the same crap day after day. So we'll see you there at Awaken Aware. And I realized that rhymed. It wasn't intentional, but I'm keeping it in because it was kind of cool. Now, on to the matter at hand. A few days ago, I had a phone call I needed to return. And I very much did not want to do it. And <laughs> I had... I had fear, I had anxiety, I had trepidation regarding the call because there was the potential that it was going to blow up. And the details of it aren't important. Well, maybe they're important, but I'm not going to say them. But I didn't want to do it. I just, I did not want to make this call. And I procrastinated it. It was like, oh my gosh, another day has gone by and this is getting more awkward. And I, I started feeling like I was kind of stuck in the mud. What was going on? I had resistance to doing this small action. I've had many things in my life, personally and professionally, where I feel resistance. Small things like that phone call, I mean, that's a tiny thing. Then there's just a little blip to big things like year-long project or years-long projects, work-quaking moves, life-quaking moves. My guess is that you have had resistance to things as well. And the term resistance, as we're using in this pod, comes from the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. As the name suggests, he focuses primarily on resistance to the creative process. We're talking about art. And you might think, well, I can just shut this podcast off right now. I mean, we're talking about creative work. I don't do creative work in my day to day, but alas, you do do creative work. And I don't say that lightly because if you are listening to this, chances are you are someone who strives to create the professional and personal lives that they want. When we talk about 
resistance. What is that? You kind of know it when you feel it, although sometimes you don't know that you're feeling it. Resistance is an internal psychological force that opposes progress and creativity. How does it manifest? It can be procrastination, like I was talking about before, self-doubt, fear, or you know, any other behavior or thought that prevents us from achieving our goals or moving forward or realizing potential. Resistance is kind of an anti-drive that keep you from learning that instrument, starting some sort of spiritual practice, deepening your medical knowledge. And when I think of resistance, I think of entropy. Yes, entropy of the second law of thermodynamics. Oh yeah, baby, you know we like to get nerdy. Laws of thermodynamics are about to rain down like the salmon of Capistrano. Entropy, the measure of disorder or randomness. And the second law of thermodynamics states that in an isolated system, entropy tends to increase over time, leading to a gradual decline into disorder. Entropy and resistance are similar in both function and effect. Resistance leads to a state of inactivity or stagnation in personal endeavors. It's this internal drift towards not doing, not creating, not progressing. Entropy is the universal trend towards disorganization and chaos. Overcoming resistance requires continuous effort, conscious action. It's a daily battle. Combating entropy demands energy input. To decrease entropy, external work must be applied to the system. I know I'm taking you back to physics class. You got to put in the jewels. That's the J-O-U-L-E-S kind of jewels. I mean, homophones can be so challenging in a podcast, but let's keep going. Resistance is an inevitable part of the creative process. Inevitable. Entropy is a fundamental principle of the universe. It is also inevitable. And resistance, like entropy, is pervasive, sneaky, and ever-present. And they both necessitate continual maintenance and effort to overcome. Resistance is an insidious force that sometimes stealthily thwarts us. Now, I might think, oh, yeah, it's clear when resistance is, is happening. But, you know, it often has a cloak. And I don't know what kind of cloak am I thinking about. Am I thinking about Darth Vader's cloak? Am I thinking about Harry Potter's invisibility cloak? I don't know, but it's some kind of cloak. So it's often cloaked in rationalizations, fear, self-doubt. And where does it show up? It can show up in our personal lives and in our professional lives. Maybe it shows up as neglecting self-care, missing family events, not pursuing hobbies all in the name of dedication to a profession. And in that profession, resistance can show up as a procrastination of skill upgradation, a fear of failure, reluctance to embrace a new role, imposter syndrome. The presence of resistance, it doesn't label anyone as a bad person or a failure. And I would actually say quite the opposite because resistance is part of the human condition. So if that's the case, how do you go about addressing it or tackling it? Well, there's myriad ways. And one that has been personally effective for me and has also been effective for clients was developed by psychotherapist Phil Stutz. And if you are listening to this on your podcatcher, which I know most of you do, and not on the website, 
you're not going to be able to see the visual for this. Go to the website show notes and look at the visual for what we're about to talk about because it, I mean, it's incredibly simple, but also incredibly powerful. And I, I did mention this briefly in episode 110 on strategies to conquer midshift overwhelm, but we're going to get much deeper because this is such an important tool and I want to expand on it. So the Stutz approach to resistance. Where does resistance come from? We have resistance because there's some pain in getting to the other side. What's on the other side of pain and fear? Possibility. So what do we do when we meet up against pain or just a healthy dose of discomfort? I can't say this is true for everyone all the time, but there is a trend to tend to stay in our comfort zone. We stay in our comfort zone and rather than working through the pain of getting to the other side, to possibility, we avoid. Yeah, we have avoidant behavior. We all do. You do. I do. We do. We all have moments when we meet up against resistance, where we retreat to our comfort zone. And that comfort zone can be an expensive place to be because getting out of it gives so much more richness to life. And we think that we're protected in this comfort zone, that it's this bubble with a force field. But in the words of Phil Stutz, it just keeps our lives small. So we see possibility. We think, oh yeah, that thing looks incredible. Let's do it. It's so shiny and beautiful. All those sunbeams coming out of it. What could be better? Come out of our comfort zone a little bit. And then there's a modicum of pain involved. And then we retreat into our bubble. We never sing. Keep the music inside. And the silencing of our music is not coming from some outside source. We're the ones doing it. And here's where it gets a little more tricky, especially for that part of our brain that is so adept at rationalizing. We can put a positive label on staying in the comfort zone, on not venturing out, not overcoming resistance. What do those positive labels look like? Well, being virtuous, not being a sellout, being brave, being idealistic. Yes, these are all wonderful virtues. These are things to fully embrace. But a question to ask is, are they honest or are they being used as an excuse? Breaking out of the comfort zone can be done in several ways. So I'm going to first introduce Stutz's method, which is called the reversal of desire. What this means is that in the comfort zone, as the name says, it's comfortable. We desire safety, comfort. Reversing this desire means actively reversing polarity, means actively wanting or moving toward the very experiences or feelings that we most want to avoid, embracing the pain. Here's the specific steps. To even get started with this, got to acknowledge the fear and the pain. Recognize and accept that there is fear or discomfort, even if it is just mild, even if it's just a shimmer in a particular situation. And this awareness is absolutely crucial because it sets the stage for a conscious and intentional response rather than an unconscious reaction. Retreating to the comfort zone, that is the unconscious reaction because that's the kind of the, the natural elastic that pulls us back. And you can visualize 
the fear or the pain as a dense cloud in front of you. That cloud is made of pain. Now you can walk through it, but it's going to hurt. What's on the other side of the cloud? Possibility. You know, you're on an airplane and it's a really densely cloudy day and you go up through those clouds and it's kind of turbulent and, and rainy. And then you come up through the top and beautiful sunshine. But it took quite a bit to get through that cloud layer. And once you have awareness of that cloud of pain before you, of that awareness, fear, this is where reversing the desire happens. Instead of wanting to escape discomfort, not feel discomfort, we mentally and emotionally turn towards it with a mantra like, I want this fear. I welcome this pain. And that's key. I mean, sometimes it even helps to say it or, or to think it. You're looking at a metaphorical cloud. I think, all right, bring it. I welcome this. Let's go. And then you go, you move forward, mentally and physically move forward into the challenge. And what, what is this? This moving forward into that cloud, into the pain symbolizes and is the acceptance and overcoming of the obstacle, transforming what was once a source of avoidance into a source of, what would you say? I don't know, power, a source of, I guess, yeah, power. And then as you move through the pain and get to the other sides, we're talking about that plane going up through the clouds. You can visualize that sun breaking through. And with these visualizations, it can really help. And I'm going to, at the very end of this pod, I'm going to get to a, a specific example of this, but it can help to walk through it as a thought exercise, you know, draw it out, picture yourself doing it and really experiencing that pain in a safe environment, you know, not even actually doing the act, but just rehearsing it. And as you visualize, you know, that sun breaking through the clouds or you breaking through the clouds into the sun, repeat the mantra. I want the pain. Pain sets me free. This is the reversing of the desire. And what, what's happening here is it helps in reprogramming your brain to not only tolerate, but actively seek out. Yes, it does happen. You will eventually actively seek out the discomfort that comes with growth. And this is not just seeking out pain for its own sake, but recognizing that on the other side of pain is a reward. What's that reward? Growth going to break in for a moment to let you know about some of our free resources at roborman.com. These were created to address very specific stress points in medical practice. Scripting your least favorite conversations. You know, why reinvent the wheel every time you have one of your least favorite conversations? Have a framework that works and doesn't deplete you. For charting, there are my favorite documentation templates and the classic in its fourth edition, The Quick and Dirty Guide to Calling Consults. I know many of you have already availed yourself to one or all of these. And if you have yet to, you can click on the freebies link on the website menu and you will be rocking. Or if not rocking, you will at least be on the page where you can get the goods, which is, that's kind of rocking. Back to the show. And when we're stuck... There can be a ruminative cycle of negative self-talk or rationalization that leads to inaction. And that word inaction is so important because especially with the real thinky types 
that we are, we think we need to have it all figured out before acting to have worked through all of our fear and worked through all the stuff. But when you look at the greats in history, many of them felt resistance too. For them, overcoming resistance was scary. It took courage. It takes courage. What is courage? I mean, courage is the ability to act in the face of fear. Stephen Pressfield, who we mentioned in the beginning of this pod, the author who introduced the concept of resistance, he advocates for what he calls the professional mindset, the professional approach. The reversal of desire, that whole pain sets me free, bring on the pain, working through the cloud, can sometimes be a little bit abstract. Being a professional, it's concrete. It's an actionable method to combat resistance. Personally, I like both of these and kind of combine them into an amalgam because one provides structure, one provides a beautiful visualization of actually doing it. So let's get into what it means and what it's like to be a professional. Some of you might remember Henry Fonda, one of the greatest actors of his generation. He was pretty famous when I was a kid and he was pretty old at that time, but you know, kind of the best, the best. So he had horrendous stage fright throughout his career. And even when he was in his seventies, by report, he would vomit every night before he went on stage. He was just so nervous. And after he vomited, what did he do next? He went on stage. And once he got there, his nerves dissipated and he, he felt okay. And he knew that action was his path out of fear. Pressfield writes about this, the distinction between the professional and the amateur. He says, the amateur believes that they must first overcome their fear, then they can do their work. The professional knows that fear can never be overcome. They know there's no such thing as a fearless warrior or a dread-free artist. And for Pressfield, the path to overcoming resistance is through being a professional. And professional in this context has a very specific set of criteria. Being a professional, oh, that means getting paid. Well, yeah, that's part of it. Willing to accept remuneration for what you do. But in this context, one can still get paid and approach their work or pursuit as an amateur. The amateur approach is not set up to overcome resistance. The professional approach is. So what does it mean to be pro? Many criteria for this, and the criteria present what I would call a full stack of mindsets and habits to address the ever-present reality of resistance. And I'm going to have all of them listed with explanations in the show notes on the website if you want to get into greater detail on this, or even read the book, The War of Art, if you want to get into great, great detail. But you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, just some kind of little insider on podcasting, listing a bunch of stuff on a podcast is like having gum on the bottom of your shoe. I, I personally find it so annoying in a very mild way, <laughs> like come on the bottom of your shoe. It does no good in the end because, you know, you try to remember these things, trying to listen and hold them in your mind, but you can't remember them and you're trying to then hold it in your head and then the podcast goes off on another topic. Gum on the bottom of your shoe. Nobody has time for that. Needless to say, I'm going to forgo listing all the stuff here, but let's just summarize it and encapsulate what it means to go pro. It means showing up every day and committing to the work, regardless of mood or motivation. It entails maintaining a professional mindset. And that is where dedication and discipline take precedence over inspiration. And being a pro is about focusing on the process 
rather than the final product. Pause on this because this needs a little fleshing out. Focusing on the process rather than the final product. Well, failure stings. You know, say, oh, I'm process oriented. I don't care about the goal. You know what? BS. Failure stings. It's just gonna. Bad outcome, not going to feel warm and fuzzy about it. Allow that to sting. And then allow that to settle. And when it settles, how do you then grow from it? That's the question. And this is not just some modern pop psychology that came out two years ago. This, and this goes back to the Bhagavad Gita 2,500 years ago. And here is a line from that it says, the awakened sages call a person wise when all of their undertakings are free from anxiety about results. And it's not that we don't have a target for the result. There's nothing wrong with that. Not, nothing wrong at all. But the focus is on the process. And as I said a moment ago, it's nearly impossible to fully embrace that. I have met very few people who have gotten there who don't feel the sting of failure, but regularly recommitting to focusing on process as opposed to goal is part of the set of operating instructions that is essential to the mindsets and habits and approaches of being a pro. And along these lines, a professional takes full responsibility for their actions. They don't blame external circumstances for failures or setbacks. And it brings up criticism, criticism of others. Oh, it can be so tasty. Criticism of others can be, it's not always, but it can be a projection of our fears, insecurities, and frustrations. And we project them onto others as a defense mechanism. And by focusing on critiquing and criticizing others, we can avoid confronting our own obstacles and the work of pursuing our own stuff. And criticism can be, not always be, but can be a manifestation of resistance. So next time you're, next time you're criticizing, take a look at it. Was this a little bit of resistance talking? More often than not, it is. And I want to change direction just a little bit and finish up with a tactic in overcoming resistance that can get lost in everything we've spoke about. And we've talked about the reversal of desire, talked about being a professional. And that tactic is incrementalizing the steps to move from comfort zone to possibility. Now, even the Henry Fonda story where he was vomiting and then he walked up on stage, that involved a major leap. But any task that seems daunting or involves resistance can be broken down into multiple minor tasks. And one of the most important questions to ask about that when you see that chasm is what's my first step? What's my next step? The first step is what helps to build momentum. If you've ever read Admiral William McRaven's book, Make Your Bed, or maybe watched his commencement speech on it, it's the same idea. It's starting with something small. For him, making your bed first thing in the morning. It's completing a task and setting a tone of accomplishment. So making your bed, while a small act of discipline and structure, can start a positive chain reaction. And taking that small step, it's also symbolic of taking charge and instilling order. And let me give you a specific example of that that applies to medicine. I work with a lot of docs on documentation habits, on what happens during their shift. And when I'm 
working with someone who wants to change their habits with documentation, often this is a clinician who's staying hours after their shift, taking charts home. When you look at the situation in total, it appears to be impossible to solve. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of resistance to making change. It's not resistance because they don't want to change or they're going to go kicking and screaming, but there is that inner psychological force that opposes progress. The habits have become deep ruts in the road. There is that inner anti-drive that we have, especially when looking across what seems like an insurmountable distance. And bringing some of these ideas from this pod together. When we do this, we're going to do something which seems really big, such as changing habits to get home on time with specifically documentation strategy. We're going to do this one tiny step at a time. The habits that have built up with the original documentation strategy, the one that has led to being there hours after a shift and taking charts home, that is built up over probably years, years during training. It's usually where it starts and then into attendinghood. And it's not just the documentation because an entire shift workflow has now become calcified around those habits. And trying to do all of this at once and change the habits is just a system overload. There's no way you can do it. So you start with a tiny step. It's seemingly the tiniest of steps. How you look at this thing, there's no way in the end that this tiny step could possibly result in me getting home on time. But if we take a look under the microscope at this tiny step, even that is going to be uncomfortable. There's going to need to be a reversal of desire because to do something that causes you to swim upstream, to go against the flow of the current of your normal shift, it's painful. It might not be a physical pain, but it's going to be really uncomfortable. And it is so easy to revert to the previous bad or inefficient habit. So I will often take clients through a visualization. You can do this on your own too, of actually doing the new habit in real time. And we get down to the incredibly granular specifics, picturing the room, picturing what's going on with that patient, picturing where are all the computers, where's all this and that. And we get to the point where they feel resistance, where they start to feel the pain, because I guarantee you that pain is always there. I've never seen it not be there. And then what needs to be put into place to break through that pain? Can they embrace it? How do we build a habit? How do we become a professional, be a pro with a new structure, with a new mindset, that shift in mindset? That's where so much of the work is. And you think, oh yeah, I, I just need to have this new structure and it'll all be good. No, it's actually a shift in mindset is the major hurdle. And then from that comes structure, comes habit. Because if you rely on chance alone and just, I'm just going to muscle through this, it's almost certainly not going to happen. It might happen, but chances are it's not. And doing this first thing, this first tiny step is akin to making your bed. It's this tiny action. And then that tiny action does bring a sense of accomplishment. It builds momentum and instills a sense of pride and encourages the addition of subsequent tasks. And it's also profoundly symbolic of taking charge and instilling a new order in the workflow. And the focus throughout all of it, you know, we're talking about the goal. I, I don't want to be here hours after my shift. 
the focus throughout all of it is on process. Yeah, we want the doc to get home on time, but that's not what we focus on in the moment, in the minute. We focus on the process, not the outcome. So if you think about this in the context of your own life, what do you want to do? What's your first step? And when you see that possibility, just know that entropy, that resistance, that fear will be skulking in the corners, ready to hijack. And that's not a problem with your character. That's just a universal truth. So bring the pain and be a pro. And that is it for today. And you know what? If you love medicine, but you find the job itself leaves a lot to be desired, I work with docs in your shoes who feel the same way and help them extend their careers and have fun doing it. Can you imagine driving to your next shift with a feeling of stoke and excitement? And then when you leave for the day, you think to yourself, hey, that was pretty damn great. We can help get you there. And you can reach out to me at roborman.com. Until the next time, my friends, be well and keep on rocking.